Welcome to the Further Light Podcast, presented by Wisconsin Freemasonry, helping you accomplish your Masonic goals through education and more light. And now, I present to you, Brother Chris Ludke. Listeners, scholars, brothers, this is Brother Chris Lincoln. Today I want to continue to explore the Enlightenment and Masonry. And today this is essentially part three of our look at the Enlightenment and Masonry. And I want to look at what would have happened, the original rites of Masonry, the original ritual of Masonry as it would have existed in 1719, 1720, 1721, how that would have played in with the Enlightenment and a quick bit of history. Of course, we covered in a previous episode very early in the podcast the idea of the ancients versus the moderns, this schism that happens within Masonry, the ancients taking the idea that there should be additional Christianity included within Masonry, the moderns trying to remove a lot of it, and not getting into that. That's a whole other episode. What we're seeing here is a look at a little bit of what would have been there and how it plays in with the Enlightenment before that schism actually takes place. And I'm getting this information from Speculative Masonry and the Enlightenment, a study of the craft, in London, Paris, Prague, Vienna, and Philadelphia by uh, one R. William Weisberger. Uh, great book, goes through, it's basically a study in these different places. What does masonry look like? How does it deal with the Enlightenment in London, Paris, Prague, Vienna, and Philadelphia? And I'm focusing on London specifically. Now, at this point in the book, he's dealt with sort of what is the Enlightenment and how does it play into early Masonry, especially early public Masonry. And again, here he's talking about the rites or the ritual and how it plays into those Enlightenment ideals specifically. So just as we dealt with religion in part one and science in part two, here we're dealing with the ritual in part three. The rites of modern Masonry appeared to be quite distinctive and to serve many purposes. Although there's a lack of evidence about the evolution of modern Masonic degrees or the modern Masonic degrees, it is evident that de Sagle, who we've talked about before in parts one and two, and other early Grand Lodge leaders found the rites of operative Masonry to be suitable teaching implements. Accordingly, they significantly revised these old rites to meet their needs and consequently developed a new system of modern masonry in order to explain important Enlightenment ideas. Modern masonry ritualized Enlightenment culture and thus acutely differed from other secret societies at the time. The language appearing in modern masonry ritualism was distinctive and rather unusual, but well served the purpose of explaining Enlightenment ideas in light of ancient legends and myths related to architecture. Symbols also abound in modern Masonic degrees, again modern referring to the moderns versus the ancients in the 18th century. So, symbols also abounded in modern Masonic degrees. They became a hallmark of speculative Freemasonry and were effectively used to describe 18th century scientific, political, philosophical, and moral beliefs. 
the rites of modern masonry possessed other appealing features. The secrecy and the elaborate dramatization of the degrees enabled the candidate to associate himself with the exclusive world of modern masonry. Just a reminder, masonry tends to be fairly exclusive, especially in Europe, but also in the United States, at least in the U.S., until about uh, the Morgan Affair and the fallout of the anti-Masonic party until around 1850. In receiving the modern degrees, the initiate was required to engage in ceremonies and thus was given the opportunity of interacting with lodge members. He further learned about the modes of recognition, was informed of their ethical and philosophical meanings, and thus became cohesively bound to the Masonic community. The author here, uh, Weisberger, is arguing that the degrees themselves, the ritual itself, was a way of bringing someone into the community of Masons because of the close interaction necessary through mouth-to-ear learning, but also through the very act of ritual uh, being so heavily involved. Now he's going to get into different degrees themselves. You will Some of this will sound familiar, some of it won't, and that's fine. Uh, I'm going to skip over parts that may be questionable. But getting into the entered apprentice degree, it revolved around a story at the time regarding the building of the Temple of King Solomon and introduced the candidate to important Masonic and Enlightenment doctrines. In receiving the degree, the candidate is blindfolded, ushered into the lodge, will circumambulate the lodge with their guide. They're informed that their travel resembles the perfect movement of the planets and moons around the sun and attests to his willingness to purify his soul and to acquire understanding of the principles of masonry. Taking a pause there for a moment, you'll notice that that circumambulation is vastly different than what we see today. Here, it is purely enlightenment, that idea of resembling the perfect movements of the planets and moons around the sun, something that usually isn't introduced until later. And today, we've taken on, from the ancients, more of that scriptural element uh, in that part of the ritual. After ending his travels, the candidate is given an oath, has his blindfold removed, and is provided with light and with teachings of the first degree. The candidate was informed that the lodge represents nature and society, and that his efforts should be devoted to understanding their laws and operations. How? Well, that's how we get into the second degree. That shows up in the FC. He further would have been told what the tools of masonry represent, something we've dealt with in this podcast quite a bit. Symbolic of proper moral conduct, the square and plum are applied for the building of the three great pillars of the temple, representing wisdom, strength, and beauty, which we dealt with in an article by Carl Cloudy a few episodes ago. Prior to the closing of the degree, the candidate was told about the importance of the 24-inch gauge and the level. Remember, this is English work and this is very old work, uh, so things have changed. He was told to use the gauge to design his spiritual temple and to apply the level in his quest to discover the wisdom and laws of nature. Now, moving on to the fellow craft, it is specially embodied in enlightenment concepts and revealed the commitment of modern masonry to education. The master of the lodge told the candidate that he was a fellow of the Masonic Society. 
was expected to be benevolent and virtuous and was to follow the light of knowledge. The candidate then ascended the winding stairs and was told they had taken 15 steps during his ascent. These steps represent the fact that masonry is reliant upon mathematics, enabling masons to discover principles governing deity and nature. Geometry is the queen of mathematics. Geometry helps masons to understand the laws of gravity and motion, the moral principles associated with the circle, square, and triangle, and the divine attributes of the supreme architect. The candidate would have also been shown a globe and was informed that this object symbolizes terrestrial knowledge acquired by masons from their study of arts and sciences. Remember in part two, we were talking about how their lectures in arts, sciences, and any number of different topics within the lodges at the time. This is where that idea is coming from, and we see it even today in elements of ritual and teaching. Now, the next part, he's going to get into the Master Mason, which gets to be a little bit trickier. And the reason it gets to be trickier is the Master Mason is developing in about 1723. We talked about this in History of the Degrees, where it's not really written about until we get to around 1730. Around 1723, we know that the fellow craft is fully formed, fully fleshed out. And so sometime in that seven-year span, we're seeing the Master Mason developing. So he's, he's talking about the Master Mason, and here you should understand it as an early Master Mason, sometime in that time frame. Of course, uh, the author here, uh, Weisberger, is looking back. Hindsight is 2020. If you were going through this at the time, it would not have been quite as clear. So symbolism, symbols and teachings of the Master Mason contain pertinent moral and philosophical ideas. The degree revolved around the completion of the temple. And being exposed to the square compass and plumb, the candidate was told that reason and the five senses are essential for understanding the laws of nature and moral principles of society. That's happening in the previous degree. The candidate learned that Masons lived according to the tenets of charity and fellowship, and that Temperance, prudence, and justice serve as cardinal virtues of the order. Now again, the degree as it happened in the early 18th century is going to be different, or middle of the 18th century is going to be different than what we see today 250 some odd years later. This degree also stressed the belief concerning the immortality of the soul and the deistic qualities of deity. The ceremony concerning... Uh, the Haramic legend is going to be performed. The Kanda is informed that the soul is immortal and is symbolized by a sprig of acacia. Before the conclusion, the Kanda is told to seek a lost idea, a lost thought, known only to one person. This word was associated with attributes of deity, symbolized by the all-seeing eye. The Supreme Architect is described to the candidate as being omnipotent everywhere and omniscient, all-knowing. London Masons most likely viewed some major teachings of modern Masonry as serving as the basis of almost a civil religion. And when the author here says civil religion, what he's referring to is this idea that we've touched on, especially in part one of Masonry and the Enlightenment, that 
because of all the religious conflicts that have been happening for over 200 years in Europe, more especially in England, what Masonry may have been trying to do, and the Enlightenment was definitely trying to do, is create a religion, a moral framework that exists without the hierarchy or outside of the hierarchy of organized religion, because all these organized religions are literally at war with each other from the Reformation in 1517 moving forward. Uh, look at the issues around the Tudor dynasty, the Tudor monarchs in England over whether there would be a Catholic or a Protestant ruler and what meaning would that have. So that's what he's getting at. This civil religion doesn't mean we're removing God. It re means we're removing the hierarchy and trying to get at something more natural, more pure. These Masons discovered that the deistic interpretation in the three degrees in many cases was compatible with their views that the supreme architect was the source of the universal moral system of modern masonry. London Masons further found that ritualistic explanations of moral behavior were related to mechanistic principles and were embodied in the law of the square. What he's saying is that you can teach morality through mechanisms, almost as if you can break it down, break the human soul or the human mind down into uh, a machine, and if you feed it the right principles, then it will create the correct behaviors. This Masonic principle states that the laws of motion and gravity describe the orderly operation of objects in nature and in the universe. The Law of the Square explains how speculative masons, in light of their conduct, work to ameliorate and to bring harmony to society. So in other words, by understanding these supreme truths, be them moral, be them scientific, masons can bring harmony and bring people together, trying to ameliorate many of the conflicts within the larger civilization. Embodied in the modern degrees and in the charges of the constitutions, significant Masonic teachings, which in some cases were a reflection of popular political ideas at the time, affected the attitude of London Masons. Masons were expected to respect the civil magistrate and his institutions and to comply with the laws of the state. This is important because that is a key element of parts of our teachings today, that we are to be good citizens and true. And it raises the question, what defines a good citizen? Are there times where being a good citizen means to actually stand up against something? It gets to be a bit of an issue here. Masons further were to subscribe to natural, natural liberties were to adhere to the doctrine of religious toleration and were to be just and honest in their pursuits. What consequently can be said about the degrees of modern masonry is that Desaglu and other Grand Lodge administrators succeeded in their efforts to develop the tenets of a civic morality in light of architectural symbolism and scientific concepts. In other words, Desaglu, who is Grand Master in 1719, and he's a young scientist, as we've kind of talked about, and philosopher, is trying to get across these ideas, these very enlightenment ideas of equality and brotherhood, of uh, natural religion or religion outside of hierarchy, 
this idea of universal morality or civic morality, that there should be something universal amongst all men. And de Sogle and others are pushing these ideas, they're, they're moving them into or they're developing within the ritual, which we're seeing here, at least in that very early form. And it influences who we are today. The reason we look at this, the idea of the uh, enlightenment and masonry, is that, as I've said in the other two parts, to look back, to understand where we came from can give us a great idea of who we are. It's just like looking back at a photo album and understanding that there are certain things that will be more influential than others. Masonry is developing during the period of the Enlightenment, and so we're going to see it have a major impact on our view of religion and the universality of religion that we see uniquely in masonry. The idea that as long as you have a supreme being, that's fine. We don't ask who it is. The idea that we are all equal is coming out of the Enlightenment. That equality, that meritocracy, or at least promise of potential meritocracy that is so unique to the Enlightenment, especially in an aristocratic Europe, and it's coming through in our teachings. And here, Weisberger is describing how the rituals themselves, at least the earliest form of them, and I would argue even the ritual as it exists today, even with the ancient uh, influence on it, the influence of the ancients on it, really does capture many of those Enlightenment ideals that masonry was built around, that arguably masonry was built to embody. We just borrow many of our tools and apply teachings to them based on craft guilds that were already in existence at the time. If you're trying to hide some of your activities, it makes a lot of sense to do that. Let's borrow something that everyone recognizes that no one would ever question and go from there. Develop a fraternity. Develop universal teachings, universal ideas. And if you do it through tools that everyone recognizes, then no one ever looks a second time. No one ever questions why you're wearing a square if you're a member of a Masonic guild. So, the Enlightenment is incredibly influential. There's a huge amount of information on the Enlightenment. Uh, as well as on masonry, and sometimes it's up to us to put it together. And again, this part, part three, I'm looking at Speculative Freemasonry and the Enlightenment by William Weisberger, uh, and that's available on Amazon and elsewhere. So, all that leaves me to do is say thank you for joining me, Brother Chris Leakey, and the entire Further Light team on your quest to find more light through masonry. Are you interested in learning more about Freemasonry in Wisconsin? Visit wisconsinmasons.org to learn more about masonry and access further educational content and more light. Once again, that address is wimasons.org. Any questions, comments, or suggestions, please email us at education at wisconsinmasons.org. And thank you for listening.